The best news ever. You know that's right. Uh, my name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, I'm going to be uh, walking us through our second week in our journey through the Gospel of John. Now, last week we jumped into it really hard, really quick, and we did an overview of the book and then looked at the introduction of the person Jesus. And so to give you a little idea of where we're going and what the next few months are going to look like, between now and Thanksgiving, we're going to be walking through the first half of this gospel, Tell Me Something Good, a journey through the gospel of John. Uh, you're going to be hearing from a couple of uh, our other pastors who are going to be uh, delivering the message as well. And in addition to that, we've got a few Sundays where we're going to be hearing from a local, uh, one of our local uh, mission partners, uh, one of our global mission partners. We're going to be focusing on a, an organization, The Call, that many of you are familiar with. And then after Christmas in the new year, we'll pick back up in the second half of the Gospel of John and finish our journey. Today, we're going to be picking up in chapter 1, verse 35. So last week, we saw an introduction to Jesus. He's fully God and fully man. And then in the, 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 the next passage there, John the Baptist, who was a prophet, a preacher, who was, was getting the people ready for Jesus, the rescuer on the scene. And so we see him, and then we're going to pick up in verse 35. So if you've got your Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. And before we get into the word, let's pray. Please, God, open our eyes to see wonderful things here in your word. Amen. Verse 35, the following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth? exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. 
Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Can I get a true that? All right. Now, in this passage, uh, this is an account of Jesus uh, calling the, 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 the first what we call the 12 disciples or apostles. And he's saying, come, follow me. And he's being introduced to some of them. He's finding them, and they're starting to journey with him. There's a few observations that we want to make uh, just right away from this passage. First off, we see, number one, people are pointing other people to Jesus. So John who was that prophet, uh, that preacher who was getting people ready and saying, Israel, get ready, there's one coming, get ready, turn to God. So John sees Jesus, God reveals to him, the Father reveals to him that this is the rescuer, this is the one you've been waiting for. And so John points two of his followers to Jesus, and he says, hey, that's the one. And then we see Andrew, who was one of those men, Andrew went and he got his brother Andrew went and, and, and pointed Peter to Jesus. And then Philip was another one of those original 12 disciples. And Jesus had said, hey, come, come follow me. And, and Philip met Jesus, realized this is the real deal. And Philip went and got his friend Nathaniel and pointed him to Jesus. So people are pointing people to Jesus right away. A, a second observation we can make <clears throat> is some of the key words that we see here. Excuse me. Uh, a few different words that we see. In verse 50, if you look at verse 50, Jesus asked him, and this is Nathaniel, do you believe? Do you believe? And he says, just because I said I saw you under the victory? Like he's like, you're, you're, <laughs> if you are uh, amazed and convinced because I told you that I, I, I knew what you were doing before you came here, if you're convinced because of that, I am going to blow your mind because you are going to see some incredible, incredible things over the next few years. And so Jesus said, do you believe? And remember from last week, believe is the point of this whole book that John has written. He said at the end of it, he said, I've written these things. I've written about these signs, about these miracles with a message. I've written all of this so that you would believe that Jesus is the rescuer and in him have spiritual and eternal life. And so we see that again right here, this word that shows up over and over and over again, way more than anywhere else in the Bible. We see it right here in this passage. Do you believe? Two other words that we see, and they're repeated throughout this passage. They're repeated several times in this short passage, and those two words are find and follow. And that brings us to the third observation that we can make right now, find and follow. Well, what's our mission here at Holland Chapel? It's helping people find and follow Jesus. Let's, let's say that all out loud together on the count of two, all right? We're going to say our mission, helping people find and follow Jesus on the count of two. Are you ready? Okay, one, two. Helping people find and follow Jesus. That's right, that's right. And so think about that connection we're seeing find and follow over and over in this passage, and that's, that's what we're saying we're doing as a church. 
So let's focus in first on that, that first part of that, helping people find Jesus. Look back in our, in our text and we see in verse 41 and 42, we'll read those again in one of the other uh, verses. 41, we're thinking about helping people find Jesus, pe- people pointing other people to Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. And then we move down to verse 45. And this is after Jesus had told Philip, hey, come, come hang out with me. And in verse 45, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. So Philip is right away pointing, helping Nathaniel find Jesus, the rescuer as well. So we see some enthusiasm and some urgency uh, right from the get-go in these, these first followers. They're like, oh, this is the one we've been thinking about. This is the one we've been waiting on. This is the one we've been reading about in the scriptures. And so they were excited and they went and got someone and brought them. They thought it was an urgent situation, like we've got to get out. We've got to leave what we're doing now and go. That's what the, the, those first disciples did. They left their careers. They left their livelihoods. And they said, we've got to go now and be with him. Some enthusiasm and some urgency around helping people find and follow Jesus. Now, speaking of urgency, we have several firefighters here at Holland Chapel, so let's show a little appreciation for them along with all of our first responders. Let's show them some appreciation. (laughs) Firefighters train so that they'll be ready in urgent situations. We're thinking about, about urgency here. They train so that they'll be ready in those urgent situations. One of our firefighters uh, here recently told me, the reason you train is so that when the time comes and you're in that moment, it's second nature. What you're supposed to do, how you're supposed to respond when you're in that crazy crisis, it's second nature. Uh, You can be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. It's about being prepared which is the, the very thing that the singing mountain goat told us about. Okay, uh, this is a uh, from Saturday Evening Post. Uh, this is a true story. Chicago, August 1972. A fire station gets a call about a small apartment fire. When they arrive on the scene, that small fire has grown to engulf the seven-story building. Most of the 100 or so residents have already been evacuated and are out front. The firefighters are assessing the situation, and at that moment, a woman comes running through the front doors. She is frantic. She is sobbing. She is screaming, where is my baby? Where is my Chris? She goes on to explain that, that she lives in apartment 529 and had left her seven-year-old son in the apartment alone for just a few minutes while she went up the street to get some groceries. Well, two firefighters, they make their way up to the fifth floor through the smoke. One of them finds apartment 529, gets in the door, and there is Chris lying on the floor in about the only spot that's not on fire. He scoops him up. They rush out of the building as fast as they can and Seven-year-old Chris is rescued. There are countless stories like that, urgent crises where firefighters and other first responders step in and rescue. 
Now, we're thinking about helping people find Jesus and doing that with enthusiasm and a sense of urgency. And what we need to, to remember when we're doing that, and that's our mission as a church, is that the church is not to be just like a social club, just where we have friends and just where we can have fun among ourselves. Rather than a social club, a church is to be more like a life-saving station because people around us are drowning in loneliness. People around us are drowning in addiction, in broken relationships. People are hurting. People are looking for peace. People are looking for meaning. And our mission is to help them find that peace, that meaning, that, 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 that relationship, that life in the person Jesus. And so just as firefighters train so they can be ready, uh, let's, let's prepare to help people find Jesus. Let's take time to train so that we might be comfortable in what could end up being uncomfortable conversations, in what could put us in uncomfortable situations if we're really saying this is what we're about and we're going to go be around, we're going to go invest in relationships so that we can help people find Jesus. And so two questions that can help us prepare, help us be ready uh, for that. Uh, for the first question is, what will you say? Uh, Andrew and, and Philip, they had something to say to their brother and their friend to, to, to convince them to come and find Jesus. And so we might ask, what will we say? If we're going to point someone to Jesus, what are the words that we're going to use to do that? And so we, with that, we could think about what is your story, uh, a word that we use in, uh, sometimes in, in, in church uh, for that. Your story is a testimony. What is your story? What is your testimony? How has Jesus changed your life? Uh, I would encourage you to, to think about that and, and to even write out your story and uh, some might be thinking right now, do, do I really need to give it that much time and work uh, into what I will say? Well, think about this. If you're going to have a serious conversation with a friend or family member, you know, one of those that, that you're thinking this conversation has to happen. If you're going to have one of those serious conversations or if you're going to be giving a work presentation, you're probably going to take time to think through that conversation or that presentation, you're probably going to write some notes down. You're probably even going to run it by someone else to get some feedback. So you tell me, is talking to someone about Jesus important enough for us to take time to, to think through and, and even maybe write some notes so that we can be prepared? There are three prompts uh, that you could use to write your story out. And so I'd encourage you to, to type these into your phone or, or to, if you've got a pen and paper, jot them down. But three prompts, because really you could tell your story of who Jesus is to you uh, in, in three paragraphs or just with three points. And the first prompt is your life before you met Christ. And so with this, you're thinking about and you're writing down, you know, your background, uh, maybe your exposure to Christianity, uh, maybe some personal emptiness or longing that you were experiencing. So your life before you met Jesus is the first prompt. The second prompt would be when and how you came to believe in Christ, when and how you 
met and became a believer in Jesus. This could include people or events that, that pointed you towards Jesus, invitations you got, conversations that people had with you, uh, things you heard that, that, that made you, you, you question and think about, okay, is this gospel for real? Uh, you're, you're, you're writing out and thinking about your understanding and accepting of the gospel. And then the third prompt is simply, how is Jesus impacting your life now? And so you've got before you were a follower of Jesus, you've got how you became a, a follower of Jesus, and then you've got how Jesus is impacting your life now. With this, uh, you could include how he has changed your life, how your attitude or perspective has changed, how, how he's impacted life decisions and priorities uh, that you have. How is Jesus impacting your life now? A, a firefighter, or other first responder, they, they, they don't just happen to know what to do in the middle of crisis. They don't just show up and, you know, without ever thinking about it and like, okay, boom, one, two, three, four, this is what we need to do. No, they have trained and prepared for those moments. So it's worth us taking time to think through what we're going to say to point people to Jesus. Uh, so think about your story, write it out, talk it out. Also think about other real life scenarios that you might find yourselves in and, and questions you could ask, ways that you could invite someone. It could be as simple as thinking through, okay, when I'm, when I'm talking to someone, I could just say, hey, you ought to come with me uh, next Sunday to our worship gathering. and uh, We'll grab lunch afterwards. As simple as thinking through how you might invite someone. You ought to come with me. Maybe you have a friend that you know likes to, to serve and, and be engaged in the community to make their, their community or their city a better place. And your small group here at Holland Chapel uh, might be serving in one of those ways. Uh, 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 and so you could say, hey, our group is going to be, be working at such and such place, going to be volunteering. Why don't you come and help us? Uh, maybe if uh, a friend or a family member uh, comes with you to a worship gathering uh, afterwards, you might say, hey, at the, uh, at the end, they talked about responding to Jesus. What do you think about that? And so you're following up. What, what are the words that you can use to help point people to Jesus? Um, a, a second question that we, we need to ask is, to whom will you say it? You're thinking about your words, but now... To whom are you going to share those words? I have a couple of good friends, Alex and Peter. Uh, they are children of God. Uh, their lives uh, reflect Jesus. They're following him. And uh, over the last few years, they've really pushed and challenged me to live authentically and boldly for Jesus. Alex is the Cleveland West Shore Area Director for an international organization called Young Life. And Peter is an entrepreneur and founder of Nesotros Rock Climbing Gyms. When Alex was in the ninth grade, uh, there was a tenth grader named Kyle. And Kyle, uh, at school, invited him to come and hang out at a Christ-centered school club called Young Life. Alex went along with him and through the rest of that semester. And, and later, uh, in the summer, he attended Young Life summer camp in New York. While at camp, a leader named Andy shared the good news of Jesus with him, and Alex started the journey of following Jesus. Peter was a freshman at Kent State University. A guy, another guy from the dorm, Joe, invited him to a Bible study. Uh, Peter went with him and started hanging out with Crew, which is a campus ministry. A fellow named Gary 
placed Peter in a leadership position and asked him to speak at one of their gatherings. And he then realized that Peter was not a Christian, was not a follower of Jesus. And so he shared the gospel with him, and Peter trusted in Jesus. God uses people to point people to Jesus. Kyle and Andy pointed Alex. Joe and Gary pointed Peter. In the scriptures that that we're reading today, John pointed those two disciples. Andrew pointed Peter. Philip pointed Nathaniel. And so think about who pointed you to Jesus? Who pointed you? Was it a family member? Was it a friend? Uh, who pointed you to Jesus? Who told, shared the gospel with you? Who invited you to, to a worship gathering or to a small group or to a student ministry so that you heard and then eventually trusted in and believed Jesus? Uh, with that, I would encourage you at some point today or this week to, if, if, if you're able, tell them thank you. Uh, maybe they're not around, but maybe you can, can send them a message and just say, thanks for inviting me, or thanks for having that conversation with me, uh, and telling me, and pointing me, and helping me find Jesus. So I'd encourage you to tell them thanks, and then right now, let's just take a moment to pray, and, and thank God for those people that he's put in our lives. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you right now uh, for the friends, for the moms, and the dads who have pointed us to you, who brought us to church, who invited us, who, who asked us a question that led us on a journey of discovering you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for using people to move people and help people find you and the life that you offer. Amen. Who pointed you? Well, who could you point who could you tell? And so with this, think about your family. Is there someone in your family that you could encourage, that you could invite, that you could have a conversation with? Is there someone in a group that you're a part of? Uh, maybe that's at work. Maybe that's uh, in class or on a team that you're on. Uh, maybe that's in your neighborhood. But, but who could you invite? Who could you have a conversation with? Think through, think through names, write down names, begin praying for those folks and looking for those opportunities to help them find Jesus. I know our students here are doing a great job of inviting and bringing friends and helping them find Jesus. Just in the, the early part of this semester with, with uh, HCSM, uh, there have been a ton of, of first-time guest cards because friends here, uh, students here, are bringing their friends with them on Wednesday nights. And so uh, uh, let's give those students a hand. Helping people follow Jesus. Follow is the other key word in there. So let's look at helping people follow Jesus, which is part of our mission. And now let's read verses uh, 38 and, and 39. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying, and they remained with him the rest of the day. So that was the, the, the two that, that John had pointed to Jesus. And now we look in verse 43, and we read where Jesus 
had this conversation with Philip. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come, follow me. And with this, what we're going to focus in on a little bit more is, is they became followers of Jesus. And so what does it look like today for us to be followers of Jesus that are, that are pointing other people to him? Well, a follower of Jesus is, is someone who listens to and obeys him. A simple way to think about it, a follower or a disciple listens to Jesus and obeys him. Uh, these early disciples found Jesus, or really Jesus found them, and they started following him, like literally they started walking behind him, and he turns around and he sees, hey, these, <laughs> these, these guys are right behind me, and they've been behind me for a little while. And, and, and so he asked them, hey, what, what are y'all doing? What, 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 what do you want? I, I see you. And I've been seeing you, and you've been watching me, and you've been walking with me. And they say, where are you staying? And the, the reason they asked him where he was staying, and then he says they went with him and spent the rest of the day, was because for a, a, a follower or a disciple at that time, uh, what they would do is they would actually spend time with their rabbi or their teacher. And, and if they were a disciple of that rabbi or teacher, they would, they would walk around with them. They would eat with them. They would listen to them. They would see how they interacted with others. And so these early disciples, they left what they were doing. They left their jobs, and they started just traveling with Jesus, and they were just with him. That's what a follower is, a, a student, a, a learner. So what does it mean to follow Jesus today? Because we can't walk around with Jesus, and we can't have dinner uh, with him, and we can't see how he's interacting because we're living in a different time. But what does it mean, uh, what does it look like to follow Jesus today? Well, in one of the Gospels, Mark chapter 8, verse 34, uh, Jesus calls the crowd to him. His disciples were there, but Jesus also called, called the rest of the crowd around. He said, if any of you wants to follow me, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. That's what Jesus said then, and the requirements have not changed. To be a follower of his is to listen and obey him, to do things his way. Think back to our firefighter illustration. A firefighter is trained a certain way. They are to respond and handle situations in that way. What to do, when to do it, how to do it. As time passes and they respond to different urgent crises, uh, one could look and say, okay, wow. Uh, they followed the code for handling that situation. And they responded just like they were trained for in, in this other uh, instance as well. And so on and so on. A, a simple way to think about following Jesus is to listen to him and obey, to do things his way. We listen. How do you listen to Jesus? We listen by reading, by studying, by knowing what the Bible says. And then we obey by simply applying those truths to the different areas of our lives. And as time passes, one should be able to look at us and say, okay, wow, they're, they're, they're obeying Jesus in that area of their life. They're doing things over here. They're responding the way, the, way, the way Jesus would respond over here. They're starting to look a lot like Jesus. Just like firefighters respond to different scenarios, fires, crashes, medical emergencies. We have different areas in our lives. So we need to listen and obey Jesus when it comes to our family life and how we interact with our family. We need to listen and obey Jesus when it comes to our work life and our attitude and our ethic. 
We need to, to listen to and obey Jesus when it comes to our thought life. We need to listen to and obey Jesus, and this is where it gets a little bit, a little bit tougher because if it doesn't require much of a change on our part, if it's, if it's easy, if it's comfortable, then it's okay. But this is, means we also have to listen to and obey Jesus when it comes to loving our enemy, when it comes to having compassion for the hurting and not just sitting idly by and so on and so on. None of us are finished products. We're all still growing as followers. As long as we're alive, the journey of following Jesus is not over. So whether you've been a follower of Jesus for six months or for six years or for 60 years, we're all still growing. He's still chiseling us. He's still working on us. We're unfinished products. So in what area of life do you need to listen to and obey Jesus today? In what area of your life do you need to listen to and obey Jesus? Jesus. I have a, a friend in another state. Uh, have, we haven't actually seen each other uh, in, in, in a few years at least, and, and we talk on the phone regularly. And uh, not too long ago, a couple of months ago, I told him, hey, whenever you talk to me, next time, next time we talk, ask me this question, because I was needing to listen to and obey Jesus in this area of my life. And I say, whenever we talk, just ask me this question. And so we did, that, we did that for a few weeks, and, and, then, and then a couple of weeks ago, he asked me that question. I said, okay, yeah, 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 we're, we're good there, we're good there. What you really need to ask me now is, and I gave him another question to ask, ask me this whenever, whenever you talk to me, uh, because I'm needing to listen to and obey Jesus in that area of my life uh, now. And so when you're thinking about uh, what area of life do I need to listen to and obey Jesus, identify the area. Number one, identify there. Think about it. Is it my thought life? Is it my 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 attitude? Is it is it is it how I'm interacting with a, with a family member? Uh, is it is it my 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 passion, my boldness for serving Jesus? Uh, identify the area. Look at what the Bible says because that's where we're listening. Look at what the Bible says about that. Pray, relying on the Holy Spirit to obey. That's, that's something we can sometimes forget because we say, I just don't have the power to obey or I just keep getting tripped up. But, but what, we, what we fail to remember is that if we're followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The same power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, God is, is, is using and, and is working in our lives. The Holy Spirit, uh, God, is in us and, and we have that power and we just need to quit quenching the Spirit's control in our lives. And so we can pray and ask for the help. We can't follow Jesus on our own. And so the Holy Spirit is there. Rely on the Holy Spirit and we can walk and obey. And then talk with a friend about it. Maybe like me where I'm uh, someone who I'm calling and talk to on a regular basis saying, hey, help me out with this. Ask me about this. It may be your small group and you say, hey, guys, hey, this is where I'm trying to obey Jesus now. And you get some encouragement and some accountability there. All right. In this passage, in John chapter 1, people were becoming followers of Jesus and they were pointing other people to him. That's what our mission here at Holland Chapel is, helping people find and follow Jesus. And we're going to live that mission out as a church only as we do as individuals. So it's not just something that happens because we say it and we put it on, you know, put it on paper somewhere and we have a graphic of it. Holland Chapel mission, helping people find and follow Jesus. Woohoo! It doesn't just happen like that. That mission is lived out as individuals, as families, 
are listening and obeying Jesus in their own lives and then are, 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 are talking to other people and inviting other people and, and pointing other people to Jesus. That's how we live it out as a whole church. And we want to do that. Whenever we gather uh, for worship gatherings like this, God is present. As we sing, he's, he's hearing the songs, he's seeing our hearts, just like he, just like he saw Nathaniel over under the fig tree before, before he even came to him. Jesus, he sees what's going on here, he knows what's going on, he is present with us. And God uses his word to stir our minds and to stir our hearts and to move us to action. And so we can respond when we're at worship gatherings like this. An appropriate response today would be to think through and answer those questions that we asked. What will I say? To whom will I say it? In what area of, of life do I need to listen to and obey Jesus? Another appropriate response would be to, to believe in Jesus just as Nathaniel did. Maybe, like Philip pointed him, maybe someone has pointed you to Jesus. Maybe someone has invited you uh, to this worship gathering or in the past has. And now it's time, as I heard someone uh, not too long ago say who was trusting in Jesus, okay, God, <laughs> I think it's my time. I'm ready. Uh, maybe it's time for you to trust in Jesus today. You could do that by praying a simple prayer uh, because it's about believing. It's not magic words. It's not, 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 not 10 things, you've got to mark off a checklist, but it's about believing in Jesus, you could take that step of faith, even today by praying a simple prayer uh, like this, Jesus, I believe you are the rescuer. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Please forgive me of my sins and help me to listen and obey as I follow you. Amen. And if you are making that decision today or uh, you're making another spiritual decision, uh, whether it's to, to be baptized, to join the church, to, to begin serving in, in a different area, uh, we encourage you to respond. And there's some ways that, that, that you can help us be able to come alongside and help and encourage you. So three ways that you could respond, could, could actually make that decision are, uh, first off, in the Connect Corner. Uh, when you leave here, stop by the Connect Corner in the, the, the back of the room here and talk with one of our friends there, and uh, they'd be glad to talk with you uh, about Jesus. They'd be glad to pray with you uh, right there. They'd be glad to, to answer any questions you have about the church. You could also uh, respond by filling out the Connect card or online texting Connect HC to 94000, marking any spiritual decisions uh, that you're making or any questions that you have, any prayer concerns that you have. And then last, just take action. And today, that would be just to, to, to actually take the time to prepare and think through those questions. What am I going to say? Who am, who am I going to say it to? Uh, what area of life do I need to, to really start following Jesus in? So think through that. In just a moment, uh, Nick, Pastor Nick is going to come back and, and share about a few things that are going on that are happening in and around here. But before that, I want I want to um, leave you with this. Uh, not a prayer, but, 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 but a blessing. We spoke about blessings a few months ago. More of a blessing. And so please receive this. Uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, as you consider who Jesus is to you. And may you have a fresh, renewed passion for following him 
and pointing other people to Jesus, our rescuer.